Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. We're back. Welcome back to The Stacks. I am your host, Tracy Thomas. Before we get started with today's episode, which is a book club episode about Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, and our guest is Ross Asdorian, who's the author of The Broken Banana. He's back this week. Before we get into all that, I wanted to remind you about a few things. First, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, would you please rate and review the show? The ratings and especially the reviews, they really go a long way to help us to reach new audiences and get seen and heard and all that good stuff. Um, Our most recent review comes from CERZT. And they say, I love the stacks. Every episode brings something new. The guests are insightful and Tracy is an excellent host. She has the unique ability to connect with her guests about any topic under the sun. And by the time each episode is over, I feel like I've learned something new and I'm inspired to dig a little deeper. I look forward to each episode and I'm always excited to see what's next for the stacks. Thanks for opening my eyes to new books, different ways of reading and helping me explore new topics. First of all, that's a very, very nice review, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, For all of you who have yet to write a review, go ahead and do it. It really goes a long way, and I can't thank you enough, honestly. It's great. Um, Today is July 4th, Independence Day here in America. And for those of you who celebrate the holiday, I just wanted to say – it's it's a kind of a weird year this year, and at least for me personally, and – I want to honor the great American authors for their stories, for their bravery in sharing those stories, you know, from people like Toni Morrison and Lawrence Wright to Brian Stevenson or Khalid Hosseini to Lauren Markham or Amy Tan or whatever. Pick your favorite author, Howard Zinn. I don't know. Whoever you love, but those people who speak truth to power, who share their unique interesting, exciting stories or the stories of other people. To all the authors, I want to say thank you for your stories. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for leading the way. I also want to say to all of you readers, lovers of books, keep reading, keep growing, keep learning, keep being compassionate, keep speaking truth to power, keep connecting with other people. It's honestly the only way we move forward. It's the only way for true freedom. So with that being said, for those of you who celebrate, happy 4th of July. For those of you who don't, happy Wednesday. It's always a holiday here at the Stack. So celebrate whatever you celebrate today. Do a little dance. 
Another thing that I celebrate is Patreon. Patreon is a website that allows you, the listener, to contribute to whatever show you love. In this case, I'm hoping it's the Stacks. Um, the way it works is that you can become a member of the Stacks Pack by going to patreon.com slash the Stacks and contributing to this show. We have awesome perks that we offer to our Stacks Pack members. For example, we just announced the two upcoming guests for our next two sets of episodes um, on the Stacks Patreon page. And if you're interested in kind of getting a little insider information and knowing what's coming down the pipeline and all that kind of stuff, you can find that there on the Patreon page. Also, for anybody who is, you know, wants to hear their name read on the air, we do that here too. So without further ado, our most recent Stacks Pack member is Shelly Casey. So thank you, Shelly, and thank you to everyone who is a Stacks Pack member. And also thank you to the rest of you who aren't necessarily in the Stacks Pack yet, but who've spread the word and told people about the show. It goes a long way. I could cry. I've been so touched by the response from all of you. So thank you so much. Keep spreading the word. Keep you know, showing people how cool we are, how nerdy we are. It's cool to be nerdy. Somebody told me that the other day. I was like, I know. I, I'm already aware of that. Um, okay. That's, oh, one more little housekeeping thing. Just so that you know, we're announcing our upcoming books and we have been announcing our upcoming books on our Instagram page and on our website and Twitter and all that. And you can find links to all of those places, our website, our Twitter, our Facebook, et cetera down in the show notes in case you weren't sure where to find us. And then just a reminder, our next four upcoming books are Reincarnation Blues on July 18th, Year of Yes on August 1st, Between the World and Me on August 15th, and The Mars Room on August 29th. Now I'm really done. No more housekeeping. Let's do it. The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg as discussed with our guest, Ross Asdorian. I hope y'all enjoy. Right, we are back with our guest, Ross Asdorian. If you didn't hear from Ross last week, you should go back and listen to last week's episode. Ross is a comedian. He is a producer. He is also a brand new author, and he wrote a book called Broken Banana, which we talked about last week. But this week, we're talking about the book, The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg. Ross, thanks for coming back this week. Absolutely. So lovely to be here again. We're excited to have you. Um, so let's just d dive in. What did you think of this book? I have to tell you that my initial thought with the book was that I was happy that I read it. I think a lot of books, you know, in this realm that you, you know, every kind of buddy has had an opinion on or has read it. It almost feels like you've heard about it so much that reading it feels a bit redundant. Um, but I enjoyed reading it and getting into the examples. It's super thorough, um, you know, makes makes its case statement and then gives you very um, both scientific and real life examples that back it up and are easy to relate to. Yeah, I agree. I think that the book is, it's kind of falls in line with books like Predictably Irrational or like those Malcolm Gladwell books. But what I liked about this book is it's a little bit you know, more straightforward. Like he's giving us examples, he's giving us um, case studies, and then he's also just telling us how habits work, which I think is really refreshing because sometimes I think authors like, they're like, I got to make a whole point. This was like, no, <laughs> it's pretty basic. It's pretty straightforward. This yep. is a habit. So I like yep. that. Um, so 
I mean, let's dive in. The way that habits work, according to Charles Duhigg, is that they are something that our bodies and our brains do kind of to save energy. So there's such a thing as a habit loop. And while you're doing the habit loop, your brain actually kind of powers down. So for example, a pa- or the, the habit loop is this. You have a cue, you have a routine, and you have a reward. So that's the loop. And it can be as quick and easy as like when you walk in the house and you turn the light on and then you do your burglar alarm. And like that could be your habit loop because you kind of always do it the same way. And your cue is that the door opens and your habit is that you flip the lights, then you do the burglar alarm, and then you close and lock the door. And then your reward is I'm home, I'm safe. You know, it can be something that simple. Right, right. Um, And it's just something that we do. And so that's kind of like the basis of the book. And then Duhigg digs deeper and deeper and explains like how you change a habit and how, how you have certain habits that make bigger habits. And he kind of leads off by talking about this woman who was like, you know, for all non-judgy intents and purposes, a hot mess. (laughs) She was like, she drank a lot. She never exercised. She was overweight. She was late to work. She <laughs> yeah, like exactly. never slept. Like she was a mess. And she decided that she was going to change her life by starting to run every day. And then they like go back to her and she's like, I weigh 10 pounds. And like, I only eat celery sticks and I've never been late a day in my life. And I get eight hours of sleep and I've ran six marathons and my doctors are amazed. And it's like, change your habits which is kind of where we yeah. start the book. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's one of those, it's, it's obviously super simple, but again, opens it up. It's a bit of a crescendo, right? Because you know, the, the, the and without obviously giving anything away, cause it's the, the joy is in reading it. But you know, like you said, it's, it's the three steps, you know, each habit, three steps, puts it in a circle, cue routine reward. And it starts with, you know, part one is breaking down the cue. And the idea is, is that you can change any three of these parts and they have different pros and cons into changing those. And then each chapter goes and says, okay, here's what happens when you change the cue. Here's what happens when you change the routine. Here's what happens when you change the reward. Um, and you know, basically toying with the brain. I mean, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of these types of books are about brain, you know, hacking the brain and hacking life, being more efficient, you know, getting control of your own capabilities um, and, and that's kind of cool, right? I mean, I know that I am not alone when I say I definitely get stuck in ruts and I feel like, you know, how do I get out of it? I know that I'm in it, you know, whether it's weight or work, uh, or whatever it is, just that feeling that, you know, once you kind of get going, then all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know, I working out and now I'm eating healthy. And it's just like right. this kind of rolling ball of these habits and, and knowing that, it's such a simple way of breaking down what we're doing. Right. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Not, not only on simple stuff like that, but, and I think we should talk, um, you know, I really loved the, uh, the bit about Eugene and, and basically this is more on like an actual disease point of view and how our bodies and our brains are working without us even being conscious of it. You know, and that's, I think a whole separate point. Right. Well, um, I don't know if I ever told you this story. It happened a few weeks ago, so maybe not, but, um, your brain, like I said, kind of shuts off when you do this and like your body is almost in autopilot. And I had read the book and I was like, oh, he gives an example in the book about backing out of your driveway. And I was like, oh, 
I'm going to pay attention while I back out of my driveway today because I just read this page in this book. And so I back out and then I pause, which was a total break in my routine. Like I never pause. I like I start backing up and I go and I pause and then I backed into somebody's car. Because I had fucked with my routine. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, I've never, ever hit anything backing up ever in my entire life. (laughs) And then the one day that I'm like, oh, I'm really going to pay attention to how I do this, I run into somebody's car. Of course. Of course. Because, like, your body is like, don't get in my way, Tracy. Like, I already have this handled. You're an idiot. Like, I figured this out without you. But, like, and And so, yeah. Well, you know, the second you become aware of something, all of a sudden you're thinking about it and you're usually operating better without thinking about it. Right. I mean, that is true even as we're kids and we're not even aware of either the dangers that we're in or, you know, you see kids skiing on a mountain. And if you've been skiing since you were two versus you starting when you're 28, your brain isn't as aware when you're younger about right. people tumbling down a mountain and breaking bones and st- it just doesn't register with you because it's so automatic. Right. I mean, literally, like everyone said, it's just like riding a bike. If you don't think about riding a bike, you just do it. Right. So and the second you become conscious, now every time you're parking, you're gonna you're gonna be thinking about it, and I you're know. gonna have that sense memory of being like, oh, yeah, and that you know, the ding and the blah blah blah. Now I so, can't back know. out of my driveway. Like actually, get anxiety about it, which is great. Which is yeah. like not, way to start your day. Um, but he, what you were talking about is like when you change the one habit and then the other habits change. Duhigg calls that a keystone habit, and like apparently that's a really important thing when you want to make changes to your habits is that you identify whatever that keystone habit is, and then that's the one that has right. trickle down. So like if you change like you commit to going to bed and getting eight hours of sleep you're going to see that that habit changes like you're more productive at work you're not so tired at three o'clock you can go for a run like all this other stuff um so do you have any habits that you want to change about your life we're gonna get personal uh i mean you know look i mean this kind of quite honestly just parlays into writing like as a writer you're always trying to fight the habits of procrastination mm. and, you know, I mean, that's always, that's the hardest thing. You know, anyone who is an entrepreneur or a creator, you're, you're fighting yourself because there's no one on your back to do something at a certain time, you know, or by a certain date. So you have to make these arbitrary deadlines. So right. the habits that you form to create or whatever it is are, are absolutely vital to getting anything done because if you don't have these habits in place, which are waking up at a certain time and blah, then you, you just don't get anything done. So I think for me, the habits that I'm always trying to form are those. Totally. Well, I mean, there's a what book, are your habits? there's a book called the creative habit and it's by Twyla Tharp and it's all about, she's a choreographer and it's all about like what she does in order to make sure that she has a routine so that she, her brain is able to be free enough for her to create. So, you know, like if it's like you wake up and you meditate in the morning and then you go drink your coffee outside. And then when you come back inside, it's like you've entered your office, right? Like if you're like a stay at home worker um, and like stuff like that, where she's talking about how can I get habits like structure around me so that I can be creative because my life, my work is so hectic. It's not like every day she comes in and she works on a factory line where it's like your day is so the same. So that's kind of like, you know, she changed her habits and she created habits so that she could create. 
I am working. It's also, on- I, I think. Nope. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you asked me what I was going to do, but I, my habit yeah. that I want to change is that I would like to, well, I've been working on it ever since I read the book. I'm trying not to use my phone in bed. Ooh. It's hard because. It's really hard. It's really hard because I wind down that way weirdly, like caring about other people. So what I've been trying to do is the rule is just when I get in bed, no more phone. So I have to set my alarm outside of my bed. I have to send my like last minute texts about the basketball game to my brother (laughs) outside of bed. And my husband makes fun of me because I'll stand like in my pajamas right next to the bed, holding my phone and like doing squats, but I won't get in the bed. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, there's no phone in bed. And no phone's in bed. It hasn't quite stuck. Rules are rules. But it, it but, but once you have done that Then I read more in bed. Weeks. Well, right. The reward exactly. is that I'm not on my phone and I can wind down quicker because the light right. makes me want to stay up. Well, and look, I, the, the reward is eventually going to be your body's going to be thanking you because you're going to be getting better sleep. Right. You're going to get out of bed earlier. You're not going to linger. But it's still really hard you know, to establish that habit. Right. And, you know, that's, I think the, the book kind of dives into that as well. Um, which, you know, I, I kind of want to talk about the, the Alcoholics Anonymous example, which I thought was super powerful. And, and, you know, we can kind of chat a little about, uh, better willpower and, and the role of religion. Sure. I think in, in these habits, I thought it was super interesting. Yeah. Um, because th- that was a part of the book that wasn't really, scientific but consistent findings right because so so in the alcoholics anonymous example um he talks a lot about how it's not enough even though he has this great like habit loop it's not enough just to identify what you want your reward to be you also need to have a belief in your ability or the ability to complete the task so if you're an alcoholic and you're trying to quit and you give it up and then something terrible happens and you don't have that bigger belief in, in your ability or your ability to weather this storm, often that's when people will relapse and start drinking again. And so what he talks about is how Alcoholics Anonymous created the habit of a higher being so that it took the pressure off the individual. And you go into those meetings and you talk to other people who are doing the work, who have changed their right. habits. And you can see this guy was an alcoholic. His wife died. He went to his you know, deepest despair. He got sober. And then when his mother died, he stayed sober because of this community. And so that like, yeah. that is creating a habit, a group habit, which he says kind of like a group habit is really called a routine. But whatever. That seems pretty technical to me. (laughs) I don't know the difference. I'm not quite there yet. Um, but the, like the belief in something bigger, whether it, like he also uses the same example for Tony Dungy's changing of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he says that like the team didn't quite believe in what Tony Dungy was trying to have them do, but it wasn't until they came together and as a team were like, no, we can do this. And they had that belief in themselves that they were able to win the Super Bowl. Right. And, and again, it's just going back to like, it, it, yeah, again, it's the, I think it was uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, I was talking about replacing the, the routine of drinking 
with just engaging socially. Yeah, So the yeah. reward is, you know, that, you, that you're that you a part of this, like, community or whatever, uh, and, and that alcoholics are, are, are drinking not because of the physical feeling of intoxication, but because they wanted the emotional relief of being around company and, and escaping problems. Sure. So it, it's, it's just replacing, you know, the, the routine with, instead of drinking, you're going to do something at, at a meeting that's still socially engaging. Well, right. So you're still getting that payoff yeah. of escaping from your everyday problems or having a distraction. But instead of going and drinking, you're going and engaging in a social circle. So, you know, again, it's these replacements in one of those three um, that that right. it just this keeps harping on. And, and again, I, I just found it super interesting because it, it, even as you and I here talk about it, we go, oh, you know, the, you know, the three things. Sure, you know, you have you replace one, replace the other. But if you were to ask me, okay, what does it look like if you replace the cue versus the routine versus the reward? And what are the differences? I'd be like, this should be a simple question. (laughs) It should answer, but I I can't really tell you. In my own daily habits, yeah, of course, if I I start breaking it down, okay, I wake up, so my cue is to, you know, drink orange juice, and the reward is that, like, I have a sweet taste in my mouth, and I feel like I'm alive again. It's like so cerebral to think about how you do what you do. Yeah, but that's the whole, that's the, that's the title, the subtitle of the book is why do we do what we do in business and life? Right. No, Um, of course. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And like what you were saying about Alcoholics Anonymous, and it never, I mean, maybe even says it in the book, but it's just clicking in my head right now. A lot of people drinks to become social, right? Like the right. like you, they feel awkward. You got on a first date and it's like, oh, I want to drink. Because not yeah. not just alcoholics, just people in general. Like it's like I want to drink because like this is gonna be weird, or like oh I have to have yeah. some cider at Christmas because like Uncle Billy, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> I feel like it it's kind of genius that AA was able yeah. to be like let's substitute the social part because that's the part that you even if you're not drinking, like if you're not drinking but you're alone not drinking, if you're doing it on your own, you might not have people that you can talk to who are unjudgmental, who are like, it's cool. We're right. all awkward. Like we're all sober. It's no big deal. <laughs> Let's still be friends, you know? Right. And I don't know that I just like light bulb moment for me. Um, with, That's actually, yeah, no, super light bulb. Yeah. Um, but so the thing that I found weird, a little bit weird for me, a little bit like, Hmm. Is when he, he gives a few different examples of people and groups and religion. And every time in the book, it's always Christianity. And I wonder if that was like a choice or if that's just like, you know, like kind of like a bias that is held here in America. You know, I just, I don't know. Cause like, it's not like Christianity is the only religion and it's not like there aren't plenty of other people, especially around the world. I mean, Islam is the number one religion in the world. So it's not like these studies couldn't have been done. I just, that was the one thing where I was kind of like, huh, what about like the Buddhists? Well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's probably the most accessible to test in this country. Um, and probably to a certain extent, also the readership of people in this country are going to resonate with that a little more and be able to relate to it. I don't know. Um, I, I do. I do wonder what this looks like or, or, or how religion and different religions, like what's the level of influence on our habits? You know, if, if certain religions that dictate more um, like habitual just practice. Sure. Also like bleeds like into, prayer, like five times a day. Yeah, or something. prayer every day at or this the time, Sabbath. this time. No eating this thing at this, you know, and, and I wonder how that actually plays into whether it, whether those you almost like get your structure from there. I mean, you know, it's the same in the military, right? Like right. people in the military, they have a, they have these habits that they don't lose. And that can be as simple as making the bed. Right. You know, the, the these aren't like, we're not talking about crazy, insane stuff. Like I think that me, I think that either if you, if you're raised with a routine and a habit, you don't know how to exist without it. Sure. Um, and if you don't have it, you almost have to struggle to find a rhythm that works for you because we, we crave habit. We crave routine. Um, we, we act well in familiarity and we can strengthen you know, if we do something over and over again, you know, we talk about Malcolm Gladwell and 10,000 hours, like 
it, it's good to be repetitive in a certain sense to, to work that muscle, I think. I mean, I know that I've struggled with that as someone who didn't really grow up with a lot of routine, having to find it, you know, and struggle, you know, with, with even knowing how to figure out if what I'm doing is the right way to be doing the thing that I'm doing. Right. Um, and you know, it goes, it goes into, you know, even here with, and it talks about like the, the corporate, um, where it was like the, I mean, it was in the Keystone habits in, in part two of the book, it was like a habits of successful organizations right. and, you know, talks about Starbucks and talks about, there was a, there was like an aluminum company yeah. that had the, you know, they wanted to basically be the safest company in the country. Um, and, 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 you know, there's a part of this that is testing, right? It's, you try something and you look back, is this working? There is that feedback loop. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a lot easier to see on a company that has goals that can be measured monetarily. You know, with the safety thing, it was, you know, the, the employee injuries that, um, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it was the cue was the employee injury, the routine was um, the, the president. Oh, they had a new president. And you had to report the problem within 24 hours uh, to also say why, how they were going to never let it happen again. Right. Um, and the reward was that they would just be given positive remarks. Well, you know, and yeah. And, yeah. Like you, that was how you could move up in the company. Right. Like if you had a and lot of injuries so, or whatever, you, you weren't doing a good job basically. So you weren't going to be rewarded for performance essentially. Yeah. And I just think that's a super interesting thing that we even have to look at with ourselves and, you know, again, obviously selfishly always bringing it back to us. Saying, well, how can I use this in my life? How can I, you know, take these properties in this company and what's the, what's the transitive property into my life? Um, and, and, you know, you, you do kind of look at some of these things that we want, whether it's safety or love or weight loss or whatever it is, there's going to be that loop. And I think identifying that and not only identifying it, but being able to look and see after a while if it's effective. If I'm waking up at five every morning because I want to go run and that's going to help me lose weight, I think. And then after a couple of weeks, I'm really miserable and I'm grumpy and I'm st- well. Then that's not the right that's move not the right for one. Me. Like and maybe you need to run. To do that. Yeah, at a different time. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Well, he talks about that in so the I appendix too. Like the whole appendix of the book or the afterward or whatever is like how to actually change a habit. And he talks about like testing out different routines or testing out to see what the reward is. Is it that you, is it the reward that you want to lose weight and the routines that you're running in the morning? But what you're really seeing is that you're actually gaining weight because you're eating like eight cookies at three because you're starving at three because you've been (laughs) up so long. Um, exactly. So yeah, he definitely talks about like, how can we adjust and like reevaluate and re like come back to these things? Um, and yeah, I, I, the book, the thing that I really liked about the book is that it brings up so many questions, like whether it be, how do we do this and how do we sort through this? And, you know, that's so interesting. I've never thought about safety in a company as being a bottom line issue, you know, all those kind of questions where you're like, wow, thank you for thinking about this for me, Charles, because I just was putting aluminum foil on my potatoes, you know, (laughs) like I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Um, but the thing, the, the thing in the Starbucks section, which I thought was really interesting was about willpower. And he talked about how, Mm. so 
I guess kind of to backtrack, there's a study that Stanford did. It's this Stanford marshmallow study. You've probably heard of it. Basically, they sat down like little preschoolers and they said, up there's like a plate of marshmallows in front of them. And it said, if you can eat this marshmallow now, but if you wait 10 minutes when I come back, you can have two marshmallows. And so they did this whole study and original, and then they followed the kids. And it was like the kids who ate the marshmallows were ended up being less successful, like down the road when they were graduating from high school, they got into (laughs) worse colleges or they didn't graduate versus the kids who waited. And so people all thought that this meant that you were born with willpower, But in this book, Duhigg kind of unpacks it, and it turns out that willpower is a habit, and you can, like, flex your willpower muscle, and you can get stronger at willpower. And so um, kind of to tie it into the getting up early to run thing and then ending up gaining weight because you're eating cookies at three – part of willpower is it can get fatigued. And so he says like people who have jobs where they like kind of like tedious jobs where they have to flex willpower to keep going throughout the day are more likely to have affairs, extramarital affairs, because they can't resist temptation as well outside of work, which is like mind blowing. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Like, what do you mean? That's crazy. But then you start to think about it and you're like, sure. Well, if willpower is a muscle, muscles get fatigued. Yeah. And the way that they related it to Starbucks was they're saying that the key to developing willpower is to basically be able to predict the biggest pain points and, and have a plan beforehand. So you know how to work through them. Right. So like knowing like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so you know, basically when you define the routines for the employees, you already have those rough patches built in and trained for. Um, and, you know, whether it's listening to the customer or, you know, hearing the complaint, you know, there are the certain things that they built into the training. Um, I want to there was like a, some sort of an acronym for it. It was, uh, it was the, I think it was like the latte method or something. Mm. And they had a, you know, th- it was their training yeah it was was like listen analyze like yeah 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 you know this is classic like (laughs) corporate you know training i can like see the video now where i work we had one of those um it was i can't remember but it was like you know thank them and smile (laughs) like apologize listen oh no acknowledge that's what i can't wish i could remember the acronym i used to know it but you know (laughs) Uh, I don't have It'll to come it. to you at the right time. It will come your to training, me. Your training will serve you. It will come to me when I need it the most, when someone exactly. is making me stressed out. But actually, <laughs> in my – so my other job besides this is I teach fitness classes, which you know, but listeners, you might not. I teach indoor cycling. And after reading this book, it's really changed the way that I coach my riders because it's really – because it does take a lot of willpower and commitment to doing the same thing over and over, right? Like you're riding a bike that goes nowhere. And so I really started to change my communication with my riders around, you know, that you have to work at it every day and like that every pedal stroke is actually a choice and like reinforce, like now that I understand a little bit better how people get stronger and how people work harder and how you change your habits. And a lot of people that ride with me are changing you know, they're trying to change their life. They're trying to get in shape. The doctor told them, you know, their heart's not healthy or whatever it is. And like, that's a really big block for a lot of people. So I've started, thanks to this book, like trying to use language that is encouraging of habit, but also aware of 
the monotony of, you know, getting in shape. Like it's not an easy thing to do. So that's a habit, I guess, that I've changed a little. It's not really a habit I've changed. It's just something that I'm changing about myself in order to help other people who are on a totally different journey. Because in my line of work, you see people who are on all sorts of journeys. Um, But yeah, um, it's kind of a non sequitur, but for me, it meant something. (laughs) For me, I mean, look, we, we, we always, you know, we take this text and we interpret it the way that we want to. I mean, and that's kind of the beauty of something like this is when you read it, when I read it, we're, we're here, we're reading the same words, but we see a different reflection of how it relates in our life. And that helps us understand all the different examples and helps us be able to be like, oh, this is how I can utilize this, which, I mean, look, you, you read a book like this to utilize the, the knowledge that it's giving you and right. say, uh, okay, how do, how does this make me aware of what I'm already doing and how does this allow me to be more in control of my life, right? I mean, that's that's the goal. Right. You read a lot of these, I don't want to call it a self-help book, but but it is a knowledge book of, of how we are working subconsciously without knowing it. Right. And when we're aware of it, just like anything else in life, once we become aware of, you know, our habits or whatever, you know, if we're, if, if it's either the environment or our health or whatever it is, you know, even if we don't immediately change it, we're going to start thinking about it and over time, hopefully progress in the right direction to say, Hey, what I'm doing isn't healthy right now, either for me or the other people around me. And I'm aware of it now and I might not change it right now, but over time, maybe I'm going to start seeing the effects of my behavior in the grander scheme of things. So, you know, I think that's the beauty of when, when we all read this, it's the same thing, but we're getting different things. Right. And even in talking to you, I get to hear about what you get out of it. And I, now I get to retune what I got out of it. And right. that's totally kind of the beauty of stuff like this, you, yeah. know, you know, versus, you know, if we're reading a fantasy book, which, you know, is, is fun, but then it's, we're kind of just went on the same journey. Together. This, we're literally interpreting the same text. Um, in, in really cool and beneficial ways right. that makes it a little more exciting to talk about. And like drawing connections into our own lives. One of the things that I just like, for for me as someone who is really into social movements, I was so right. interested in the stuff about the Montgomery bus boycott. And they talk about yeah. how like Rosa Parks wasn't the first person to not stand up for a white person on the bus. I'm assuming you all know the story, right. but uh, <laughs> she wasn't the first person, but she was someone who was in a unique place in her community where she was involved with a lot of different people. Um, she had, you know, some white lawyer friends and she had church people and she had people like at her job and all this stuff. So she had a big network of people and that is what enabled her to be a catalyst because so many different people, he calls it strong ties, like people that know her and then weak ties, which are like acquaintances, the ripple effect, you know, six degrees of Rosa Parks. Um, but all of those people were mobilized because she was the catalyst and they felt connected to her. And it made me think a lot about both the black lives matter movements and also, um, the students from Parkland because we have this, thing now called social media, which sometimes is terrible when like your ex-boyfriend pops up, but is also amazing (laughs) when you, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about, but also is amazing when you have the Arab spring, people from the Arab spring communicating to, you know, the youth in America who are doing black lives matter protests about how you need to use milk and to protect your eyes if you get sprayed with pepper (laughs) spray. But like that is weak ties, right? Like 
in such a bigger way than I think, you know, Rosa Parks probably could have ever imagined. I mean, bigger than we could have imagined probably 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. But, like, that to me, like, seeing how this stuff works on a smaller scale. Because what what happened in the in the bus rides, I should sorry, go back to that. The bus protest is that the queue was, you know, obviously the protest and the queue was like were not riding the bus. And then Martin Luther King and the other leaders instilled in them not only the belief that they could change the system, but also the routine of getting rides from each other, making it accessible. Yeah, there and, were all these different just helping ways. Friends. Yeah, exactly. The routine the routine, like even even more basic, was just like the queue is, and this is just in a community, right? right? Like right. especially a well connected community is the queue is your friends in trouble. The routine is you help the friend, and the reward is you get a happiness from helping your right. friend, and it gets better. And that's you know, yeah, and, and I think that is at its basis when you have a tight community that's formed, and it talks about leaders obviously in the book as well. Um, you know, it, when you have this the routine of a, of a social habit, right? So your social habits, as well as we talk about your actual physical habits, but the social habits of friendship kick in, right, when when the thing happened with Rosa Parks, you know, and that, that is the catalyst. And and like you said, it was her position in the community that that obviously made this bigger, but it was the fact that there was a social habit that was created of this community right. that when this happens, you do this. Right. When Always. someone's in trouble, you help them. Right? right, and there is a greater good that you are serving. Right, so you know, even like, even like with the with the accident, you're not actually getting a physical thing, but the social habit and the social reward of being put on a pedestal and feeling good for helping is your reward. Right, and that drives the community forward. Yeah, and I, I just I, I find it to be so cool to see to see him talk about it on a bigger scale, like in social activism, because I think that that's something yeah. that's. As you know, not to be too political, but just there's so much going on in the world right now, and it is Independence Day, so why not, you know, get a little political, America? Um, But it's amazing to think like there's so many social movements that are being led by some really young people coming out of some pretty terrible events and deaths and this and that, and that people are understanding how to mobilize through weak ties, right? You see those kids from Parkland and you're like, I don't know those kids, but I know kids like those kids and I feel obligated to those kids because I wouldn't want the kids from my high school to go through this, right? And so it's like the weak ties are in play and that's how you can use something, this little tiny habit loop when it comes to waking up earlier, right? Or brushing your teeth and you can blow it all the way up and see it as like, we're going to change the way that our country interacts with gun laws. Like what? (laughs) That those two things can be on the same, the same can come from the same thing, the same idea. Like Uh that's the stuff that I'm like, yo, that's what makes a book like this really special. When Duhigg's able to draw parallels between brushing your teeth and using mouthwash to, you know, social activism on a huge scale. Now, the last little thing that I'm, well, I have one more thing that I want to talk about and then I'll let you close this out. But the title of of this book, The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business. Do you think that the title's good? Do you think it nails it? Yeah. I mean, pretty straightforward. I actually really like the, the subtitle just because it, it, it kind of in life and business, like it is so simple, but it, we do, it's, it's kind of fun to identify why we are the way we are. 
So I think that, you know, it's a really cool act. And I really like the cover, too. It's just got this really plain, simple, almost like a cautionary um, feel to it. But I really like it. I do, too. I like the – I actually like the title title. I like The Power of Habit because I feel like it's empowering. Like, I feel empowered after reading the book. And I'm like, that's right. Like, this stuff is really powerful. Like, like if it can get you to change something about yourself – like, you know, might not be the biggest thing. You might not be an alcoholic, so you might not have to do that, but like that it could help someone who needed it, like someone who was in a rut, you know, like I think that that's so powerful when books can empower us to make changes. And this book is totally like, that's what this book is about really. It's like, how can we do a little better, be a little better? Do you have anything else you want to add about this book before we sign off? Um, you know, look, I would just say that the, I always like to in, endorse books and, and if someone's looking at it because they're easy to be like, oh, you know, well, and I already heard of it, but it, it really does do a, a great job of kind of illustrating things. And, you know, like anything else, if you're going to learn it, you kind of have to spend some time with it. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, I walked away saying, okay, I have to set up a routine that gives me fast, positive feedback. Right. Like, Unless, uh, and if I don't, then I'm not going to stick with it, right. right? Like I need that routine that gives me the positivity and then I can keep doing it and then it'll become a habit. Um, but you know, I, I kind of have to sit with the book for a little bit to kind of self-identify, like, what am I getting out of that? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. And you know, there's, there's, I think a lot of these types of books out there and, and this one has cut through the clutter for a reason. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. This book's awesome. You should definitely pick it up if you haven't yet. If you made it to the end of the podcast and you haven't yet, you probably are interested. So get it. You can use your Audible on that too. And also everything we talked about this week will be in the show notes. So there'll be a link to this book as well. Um, all right. Next week, I'll be back with Lauren Fanella. She's a book book lover like all of us. Um, and Ross... Thank you yes. so much. You're the best. I'm so glad Absolutely. you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty. All right. Okay. That does it for us this week at the Stacks. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Ross Azadorian, our guest, for joining us again this week. And also, don't forget, go buy his book. It's called Broken Banana. You can get it on Amazon. Patreon. Our Patreon page is up. Go ahead. Get after it. Contribute to the show. Get special access. Be loved by me forever. Um, What else? Oh, rate, review the show, subscribe, follow us on social media. Links to all of those things are right down there in the show notes. Last little thing. Next week, we will be joined by Lauren Fanella. Some of you are like, who? Well, you might know her better from her bookstagram handle at literary Lauren. So Lauren will be with us next week. Send me over your questions for her. Other than that, have an amazing rest of your week and we will see you in the stacks. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite. Our theme music comes from Tagirgis and this show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.